Compassion, trust, courage, innovation. The values of Temecula Valley Hospital. We proudly present TVH Doc Talk. Here's Melanie Cole. Not all esophageal cancers can be prevented, but the risk of developing this disease can be greatly reduced by avoiding certain risk factors. My guest today is Dr. Indranil Chakrabarty. He's medical director for the Gastroenterology Services Program at Temecula Valley Hospital. Welcome to the show, Dr. Chakrabarty. Tell us a little bit about esophageal cancer and what are some of the risk factors for it? Yes, uh, esophageal cancer, uh, there's two different kinds. There's a uh, squamous cell and adenocarcinoma, and both are uh, increased risk from smoking. Um, but however, adenocarcinoma, which is one of the fastest growing uh, cancers in the country, uh, is increasing because of chronic heartburn as well. And people often take over-the-counter medications and mask this with uh, um, over-the-counter medications and put themselves at risk for this cancer as they're not seeking help. Is this a silent cancer? Are there some things that would signal that something's going wrong, or if you have heartburn, do you always know that you have it? Yeah, heartburn is a symptom of actually the main condition, which is gastroesophageal reflux disease, or GERD. Um, GERD can cause various kinds of symptoms, and the classic is heartburn, the severe burning pain in the chest that people get after a fatty meal or eating uh, tomato-based sauce-type foods like pizza or pasta sauce. Um, however, you can have atypical symptoms, and those are commonly uh, not recognized as GERD, but they may have a sensation of a lump in their throat. Uh, they may have a hoarseness because their vocal cords are being hit by acid and lose their voice. They may have wheezing, um, trouble breathing because the acid is going down their airway. Um, or they have severe chest pain where they think they're having a heart attack, but it's actually reflux disease. The other atypical symptom is food getting stuck um, in the chest, and uh, that may be a sign of reflux as well. Can cancer of the esophagus be found early? Is there a screening for it? There is no uh, standardized screening for reflux or esophageal cancer. Uh, Usually what happens is we try to find, uh, ask questionnaires that describes how long a patient may be having symptoms. The most commonly done right now is if they have reflux disease, signs of reflux disease for over five years, they should get endoscopy done. And when we do an endoscopy, we look for something called Barrett's esophagus, which is a precancer condition that can lead to esophageal cancer. Um, if Barrett's is found, then there's ways to treat that. Um, in the past, there was no treatment, and people were just brought in for repeat endoscopy until a cancer was found. Um, but now there's some treatment for it. So what about some symptoms of esophageal cancer, trouble swallowing? Are there certain things you want people, if they have these, to come and see you? Yes. Now, if they have uh, progressively worsening uh, what we call dysphagia symptoms, which means food getting stuck in their chest, and it's getting worse with um, smaller pieces of food, and if they're also vomiting blood or if they see black-colored stools, there may be signs of bleeding from the cancer, or, and or weight loss. If they're starting to lose intimate weight, that's a, those are all red flag signs. Um, if they have any of the reflux symptoms I described that's been going on for a while, they should also seek help and get checked out to see if they have this Barrett's esophagus or precancer condition. What's your best advice for prevention? of esophageal cancer or GERD or Barrett's esophagus? Most uh, commonly, the biggest thing you can do is not smoke. 
that is the biggest thing. And then if you have symptoms of GERD, um, all the symptoms I have described, you want to find out what the triggers are. So if you have certain foods that you eat that cause those symptoms, but you really enjoy eating those foods, you may want to avoid them. These kinds of foods are commonly uh, fatty foods or greasy foods, uh, tomato-based sauces, like I mentioned with pasta or pizza sauce, uh, excessive caffeine, too much chocolate or mint. Uh, those are most of the common types of um, foods. Uh, excessive alcohol can do it as well. Do the antacids that people take and so many of the medications we see today, do they help prevent esophageal cancer or are they mainly to take charge of GERD? They're mainly to take charge of GERD, uh, but it depends which medicines um, you're taking because there's several different class of antacids. So there's medications that are temporary relief that alleviates their symptoms immediately and lasts for maybe 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Those are like Tums, um, Alka-Seltzers. Uh, you may take um, uh, pe- Pepsid or uh, Pepto-Bismol. Uh, those are very quick, but they don't protect you from the chronic acid that may be coming up. The definitive medication that people often use is um, at the class called proton pump inhibitors, which is like Prilosec, Nexium, uh, Protonix, Asafex, Dexlin, those kinds of meds. And those work a lot better to suppress the acid and prevent that acid from hitting the distal part of the esophagus and causing a burn. And those cells die and regenerate at a faster rate from that acid, eventually getting mutations made um, from too much uh, rapid turnover of cells and then they get a precancer condition, they get enough mutations, they get a cancer. So when you suppress the acid, it prevents that from happening. Dr. Chakrabarty, is obesity related with esophageal cancer and or GERD and Barrett's? Obesity uh, is linked to many types of diseases, including uh, GERD and Barrett's esophagus and esophageal cancer, mostly because uh, when people gain excessive weight, their diaphragm gets stretched and they get what we call a hiatal hernia. Um, and now the, the valve, the junction of the esophagus and stomach is loose. And when that happens, there's more acid that comes up and it puts them higher risk for getting Barrett's. So uh, definitely losing weight helps as well. Tell us about some of the treatments available if you have endoscopy and you're diagnosed with esophageal cancer. If you're diagnosed with esophageal cancer, it needs to be staged first. So staging is very important because that determines your treatment. Um, if you're stage one, which means it hasn't spread anywhere, it's within the esophageal lining, that has the best prognosis and surgery, um, uh, you know, rapid surgery in a timely fashion is, is key for survival. Uh, then there's um, other stages, stage two, three, and four, and depending on where it is, it will decide about chemo and possibly even radiation treatment. Now, if you're having food getting stuck and you're nearly blocked off from the tumor and you can't eat food, then there's um, palliation treatment with stents where they open up the esophagus with a esophageal stent so that you can eat food, or we put a feeding tube in the stomach if they cannot tolerate the stent. As for Barrett's esophagus, there is a treatment called radiofrequency ablation um, where people can actually go in there and burn the tissue down to the stem cells, and that regenerates new tissue and reduces your risk for esophageal cancer. In just the last few minutes, Dr. Chakrabarty, what should people who want to prevent esophageal issues think about, and why should they come to Temecula Valley Hospital for their care? People should think about how long they've been having their symptoms of GERD or acid reflux, and if they've been having poor control over it, they should definitely seek help. Um, 
get proper guide, uh, education and consultation with their doctor uh, to know how to manage it, changing their diet, their lifestyles, what they can do. Esophageal cancer is a very poor prognosis once you have it. Um, and you can imagine the things we take for granted, like eating regular food, cannot be done. And it can be very debilitating and very, you know, obviously very uh, difficult for the patient um, and their family. We're seeing a lot of young patients now coming in with this because they take over-the-counter medications, and they got family and young children. So definitely uh, going and seeking help is very important. Thank you so much, Dr. Chakrabarty, for being with us today. It's such great information. You're listening to TVH Doc Talk with Temecula Valley Hospital. For more information, please visit TemeculaValleyHospital.com. Physicians are independent practitioners who are not employees or agents of Temecula Valley Hospital. The hospital shall not be liable for actions or treatments provided by physicians. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks for listening.